As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Android's Dungeon. Mega Civ. Or Western Empires, depending on what side of the fence you were on. How'd it go? We're gonna find out. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. This is Android's Dungeon, a show about games, music, movies, video games, mind and games. Rage. Rage? Yeah, rage of the studio being always different and barely functional whenever we step foot. It's in. always broken. Headphones we can write a song about it. It's, it's always broken. And people would think it's some sort of metaphor for, like, I'm personally broken, or I'm just feeling like really sad, and just no, it's a literal translation about just everything is broken, <laughs> nothing functions the way it's oh, supposed that's to. That's a good song. Um, I'm joined today by Joel and a friend of the show, Stefan Barrett Barre. That's right, <laughs> a resident civ expert. Um, you can expert. check us out online at cfru.ca and listen to us on the archives there if you're a chump or someone yeah. really loves going to CFRU. Uh, it's it's all it's all right. It works in a jam. That's how I download files offline. Mm. Or you can check us out on all your favorite podcasting websites. Yeah. Thanks to Joel reminding me I have to upload some episodes so Joel oh, yeah. can put some in there. Oh yeah, Ab- Apple Podcast is on the rise. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's up to like thirty percent of our our listeners are, are they are they still all over the place? Like so oddly in the United States and like it's fifty percent U.S. Yeah, and then it's like fifteen percent Canada, and then it's like one percent a hundred other countries. Interesting. I'll take it. Like anyone tuning in is a win in my book. But uh, yeah, I don't know how many are VPNs, but uh... <laughs> that's a good. Way. Who sets their VPN to yeah. like Europe before listening to our show? I always set my VPN to Chad. Really? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Your latency. My God. Uh, you can check us on Twitter, 80 Radio CFRU. I actually updated that on the weekend. Uh, email, androidsdungeon at cfru.ca, and Instagram, androidsdungeoncfru. Let's get the ball rolling. Stefan, what have you been playing recently? And don't talk about the feature. Well, other than the feature, <clears throat> uh, what else have I been playing? We played... We played a super super hard version of Spirit Island. We sure did. Yeah, Joel uh, came over, and uh, as uh, some of you know, Spirit Island is pretty much one of my favorite board games out there. Um, I bought it, and then promptly never played it because I couldn't find people to play with. Um, it's too it's, hard. Yeah, it's the kind of game that's not really hard to learn, and it's co-op, so it's not like... I thought you, know. you and Chris would it would just be simple, because you played the heck out of yeah. Scythe, you played the heck out of some other games, and, yeah. then, it, and then you don't get to do any Spirit Island. Yeah, you would think so, but Chris is not really fond of Spirit Island. Oh. Um, he just doesn't really what get it. What a loser. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. So Joel uh, came over, and we were going to play uh, a couple more games with some friends after, uh, 
And uh, so we thought, well, let's just get a quick game of Spirit Island in. Let's try to lose. So um, we decided to uh, use, what was it, the Swedes? We ramped it up. We, we had the yeah, Blighted Island. We had the Swedes attacking. So yeah. let's let's break this down for two seconds because even I don't really understand some of this. The Blighted Island, is that where you just start with their problems already existing? No. So normally without the Blighted Island effects, uh, essentially the way it works is you have more uh, Blight that gets placed on the board that can be placed before the game ends. So once you run out of Blight, you lose the game. Mm -hmm. With Blighted Island effects, you have slightly less, or actually significantly less Blight instead of five five per player. And then when you run out of Blight, you flip the card, which now becomes a Blighted Island effect. And now that Blighted Island effect will have an effect at the beginning of every Explorer round for the rest of the game. Ours was brutal. Ours was either lose a card or lose a presence Hmm. every round. That's a tough choice. That is a tough choice. Very tough choice. And we played as, what was I, the Ocean? Yeah, Ocean, Hungry Grasp, and the Thunderspeaker. Yeah. And what what about the Swedes, though? What makes them special? What do they do? They uh, can turn the Dahan. Yeah, so anytime they outnumber the Dahan, they turn a Dahan village into a town. Oh, yeah, it's rough. It happened a few times, and uh, it was especially rough for our Thunder Speaker Joel. Yeah, because he kept losing and units. In, and in addition to that, I don't know. They had some other effect where they placed more explorers or something. That's right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was hard. We almost died. We yeah. came real close. If we didn't have to just destroy cities, we definitely would have died. And, yeah, so what ended up happening was the fear. The fear is what saved us. Fear. Yeah, as always. That was a good um, game. What else was? did we play? Uh, Chicago Express. <laughs> I feel like we're doing a recap. I did actually talk about all these games that we oh, played. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, what else have <laughs> I been playing recently? Well, I mean, let's be real here. Ever since last Friday when I finally bit the bullet and bought a Nintendo yeah, Switch, oh, I've just been playing Pokemon nonstop. Was it, what was there, uh, some sort of... Uh, Black Friday deal? No, because it's Nintendo, so yeah. there's no good Black Friday deal. So what made you buy ever. it on Friday, then? Well, so... <laughs> all right. So to bring our viewers up to speed on my life, uh, I've I've basically been not buying a Switch because I've been really debating on whether I really need another gaming console or whether I should build a damn PC so all my real gamer friends who've been waiting for me to play games with them yeah. stop being frustrated with me having nothing but a 2012 laptop to my name. There were some insane and deals on Friday. You could have yeah. built a machine that would last you 15 I years. I know. So it's like, do I either put $500 into a machine with like all 500. of last year's best stuff, you know, and and get a good computer going, or do I spend that on a Switch? Now. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, I ended up buying a Switch because... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, all my friends are playing Pokemon, and I was oh getting mad FOMO. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no. You know what? It's a decent game, despite what Reddit will tell you. So the game is totally <laughs> um, different, right? It is very different. Turns it um, on its head. Well, I mean, it doesn't... Innovative game of the year. Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, it doesn't really turn anything on its head. It's it's pretty much... It's disappointingly similar to a lot of the old games, but there's a lot of really great quality of life improvements to the game, which I really enjoy as somebody who doesn't really care that much about the story of the game i'm purely a post-game competitive player generally so what what sort of quality of life improvements were added then? uh <clears throat> so previously um if you were if you wanted to have a competitive team so going way back to sixth generation 
you'd have to breed a whole bunch of Pokemon to get the right nature, and uh, there are individual right values. Yeah, yeah, you lost us two two phrases ago. So, so all right, you have to be keep in mind, so, Stefan. We I have what's not breeding. Okay, I'm, yeah, I haven't played a Pokemon since Let me since let me red. break it down real quick. I'll give you a primer. So <laughs> Pokemon have uh, certain things that make them good. Yeah. So they have stats like anything else, you know, HP, attack, speed, all that. Then they have individual values. So each Pokemon has an individual value, which is a base numerical value that is added as a bonus to their stat growth. So if you have the maximum individual value in a stat, you've maximized the potential for that stat for that Pokemon because the rest of their stats grow according to what type of Pokemon it is. So if you know your original 150, Snorlax, for example, would have a very high natural HP. But then if you're trying to be competitive, you the individual HP value will be the difference between it having, I don't know, let's pick a number, between 435 or 417 HP. And when you're playing competitive and it's very much a math game, those few last numbers really do matter because they can be the difference between outspeeding a certain Pokemon or things like that. So you're so, saying you want bigger numbers. Want bigger numbers. That's okay, right. And generally you do that, that by breeding. <laughs> Right, And so people will take Pokemon with higher individual values and breed them together to get stronger Pokemon. It's just like normal breeding of anything else, right? But interspecies. Uh, intraspecies, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, generally so you Pokemon only breed... all Pokemon the same species? No. Different species have a male and a female, and then you breed the oh, male and the female okay. of that species, right? So you so can't breed many... a Charmander with a Bulbasaur. Like... So but are there like different... Or can you? Yeah, no, <laughs> create some island Dr. Moreau so horror. So just like not to get too much into the weeds of Pokemon, but essentially in older games, there was an NPC in a town that you could go talk to and he would give you some cryptic message about your Pokemon. And then people had figured out from those messages what that could tell you about the individual values of your Pokemon. It was a real pain in the ass. Like you had to... Take your Pokemon, fly them to this NPC, figure out what their individual values are for these stats. Then you had to mark your Pokemon as having those stats so you could remember them. And then uh, you also had all sorts of other stuff that I'm not going to get into. Um, hidden power. Uh, hidden power. Hidden power is a move that has a different element based on a randomly generated value for that Pokemon. And you had to talk to a different NPC to get that information. Um, anyway. And then there's also the fact that if, if, if you didn't have a Pokemon with a high enough individual value, there's no way to get that individual value up. You just have to breed a new Pokemon, which was a tedious process. How much now, of this is min-maxing, though, to the extreme? Oh, that, where you're sitting there and you're waiting for a random number to hit a certain threshold and then yeah. trying to get another Pokemon whose yes. random numbers hit a certain threshold and yes. getting those two numbers together and hoping those numbers hit yes. a certain threshold. Yes. Oh, okay. it's, it's, it is grueling. Like... When I the last time I tried to build a competitive <clears throat> team, I literally soft reset my game 500 times. Oh, don't tell me this for stuff. one for one Pokemon. I'm not right? saying I haven't done dumb things like this so, for other reasons, but this, yeah, yeah. It, it gives me trauma. Like, so my my like Omega Escape League. <laughs> yeah, my Omega Ruby game file has 526 hours of playtime on it. So, um, so all this to say, I am a massive Pokemon nerd. I I love competitive Pokemon, and one of the quality of life improvements that they did in this game, there are many. But, oh, and nature. So each Pokemon starts with a nature. So it's born with a certain nature. You can manipulate that in the breeding process. But generally speaking, it's a random nature. There's like 16 different ones. And depending on the nature, it will give either 
no change to their stats, or it will boost one stat by 10% and uh, reduce one stat by 10%. And so you want to figure out, okay, is this a physical attacker Pokemon? So I want to give him a nature that will boost his physical attack and reduce his special attack because I really don't care about his special attack, right? So generally speaking, that was always set in stone. Um, So now in the new game, They've introduced, and some of this was introduced in the previous gen, but in the new game, they've basically taken all the quality of life improvements they've given you in the past and more. So now they've added basically the ability to buy items that will be able to change your Pokemon's nature, that will be able to change your Pokemon's individual values to the maximum with a certain item, and made those items fairly accessible in the game, which means that I now, as a competitive player, don't have to spend hundreds of hours breeding you know, kicking myself because I caught a Pokemon that was slightly imperfect, and so now I have to reset my game to try to find a different one. I don't have to worry about any of that. I just catch the Pokemon that I want, get it to level 100, which is easier than ever. Also, leveling up your Pokemon in the past was a grueling task. Easier than ever to level your Pokemon. So, get it to level 100, hyper-train it, give a... Oh, hyper-training, yeah, yeah, of course. No, 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 anyway. Is that where you put them into like a no? It's the, basically like Dragon Ball Z hyper. Not even. Not even gravity. Yeah. Not even. It's just you literally go talk to an NPC. You give him an item, and he says, "Oh, I will make this stat max." Oh, okay. So, so, but you keep mentioning competitive, and I feel like yeah. that's something important that we just stepped over because yeah. again, I have no idea what you mean by competitive. Okay, so Pokemon has two types of competition. They have the trading card game, and they have the video game competition. TGC, VGC. Um. And generally speaking, there will be all sorts of events depending on your jurisdiction. jurisdiction. Uh, you know, if you're in the U.S. You mean that jurist my diction crap, you can right. ram it up your ass. Yeah, so it's like different cities have them. Like for us here, for anybody local to the Guelph, uh, Kitchener, Waterloo area, there's some Kitchener events all the time. I have not actually been involved in the physical event scene I once ever. went to uh, the Pokemon card game finals, right. the world finals in Vancouver. Wow. <laughs> I always find like y- you've done all it. these things. <laughs> oh, sorry. You like attended. No, I didn't attend it. I walked through it. Walked uh, through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a second, I, I was, thought this was one of these Joel stories. Just, where, just yeah, I played to Pokemon competitively. Convention yeah, Center. I was at Canada Place. At oh, one there you point, go. Canada Place. Like, um, Close enough. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so competitive Pokemon, basically, the way it works now is you just kind of uh, there's a there's a feature within the game. You connect to the battle spot, and uh, you can choose a ranked or unranked game. If you choose a ranked game, your your uh, your record is tracked against other people that you play in an ELO um, chart, essentially. And the 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 more you fight strong opponents, uh, like if you win against a strong opponent, that'll be really good for your ELO. If you lose against, against a, weak a weak one, it's bad for your yellow. Classic so on and so Warcraft forth. three. Yeah. So anyway, I play Pokemon. Hmm. Did you ever play Pokemon? I, I played a bit of Red. But I never owned a Game Boy until yeah. like Advance, and then by at that point, I was like, no, I'm t- <laughs> this, the ship has sailed on I Pokemon. Think I had to like borrow my siblings, and so they probably wouldn't <clears throat> let me play much. I honestly didn't get that involved with Pokemon until 2015. You used to play... 2015? You yeah. play a lot of that weird uh, gray market, like, um, Pokemon Battle Zone or something. Ooh, or what's that it? is not a gray market. That's just a free-to-play... Yeah, I mean, I guess But it's, it's not market. licensed by Nintendo, isn't it? I don't think it is, yeah. Pokemon so, Showdown. Showdown, shout that's out it. To, yeah. Shout out to all you people who like to play Pokemon. Showdown! Yeah, and that's basically just <laughs> an HTML-based uh, platform to battle, so... 
that's for people who don't really care about running around, catching their Pokemon, bonding with them, none of that crap. So I just have one more question about competitive because um, I'm still, is it, does it come down to strategy or is it just whoever has the bigger numbers and... Because to me, it always seemed like that's what got me about Pokemon, which drove me kind of crazy, was the idea of playing competitively was just kind of like, you put out a monster, and you I put out a monster, and I hope my monster attacks your monster's weakness and vice versa. Oh no, my you switch your monster, I switch my monster, and we keep going. You're, I guess there are limited substitutions, and you're, you're only allowed so many to... So you can just unlimited just cycle. I don't yes, understand. But there, well, I mean, you lose a move each time. No. No, no. Well, I mean, swap I guess. Pokemon is an action, right? Yes. So it's yes. So to swap Pokemon is an action. Now, uh, I think, and I'm going to make a bold claim here. I think Pokemon has some of the biggest strategic depth Sell out me. of any Sell me. <laughs> uh, video game today. The reason why is so Pokemon is a little bit like Magic the Gathering, right? If I buy myself a starter deck and I show up at a Magic the <clears> Gathering <throat> uh, event at my local uh, card shop. Uh, and I try to play against someone who spent $200 on his deck, yeah, I'm going to lose. I'm going to get my ass kicked. But if you and I both have competitive decks, then it boils down to strategy. And that's essentially what Pokemon competition is, is people who, through various means, whether uh, you know legit or illegitimate, because uh, in the past, especially with the Nintendo 3DS, there have been duping a lot of ways of duping, genning, uh, you know, doing all, all sorts of stuff, which really, I mean, Nintendo really didn't disincentivize you to do that because it it was incredibly annoying and grueling to get Pokemon to a level where they could be competitive. So, of course, you're going to incentivize people to cheat because they don't care. They don't care about spending a whole bunch of time getting the pride and accomplishment of having built a perfect Pokemon. They don't care. They just want to go and battle against somebody else. And if you don't have Pokemon that are min-maxed, uh, then, uh, then you're you're not going to be able to compete, and you're just going to get you know your butt kicked the moment you you enter the battle spot. So, um, but what Nintendo has done in this game is they've added uh, all sorts of quality of life improvements, like I mentioned. They've also got a rental team mechanic. So if you are a, a highly competitive player or a YouTuber or something like that, and you spend all day just playing Pokemon and oh doing all that, you can put your team up for rental in public and so now i as a player can go and try out your team i can go and try out your team on the battle spot play with technically your pokemon that are are all min max and all ready and 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 it's it's like if i unboxed a a a magic the gathering deck from like the 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 champion of last year's tournament and see well let's see what i can do with this team so it's pretty cool it that way it allows you to try out different teams that maybe you wouldn't have tried out because there's no way in heck that you're gonna go and and build that team yourself right who gets the money for the rental? There's no money. There's it's, no money. It's, it's just free. a chance to try it out, I guess. Yeah, and it's <clears> and it's a point of pride, right? So you say I'm putting oh, up my team. People are renting my guys. Yeah, they're like, oh, people want to use my team. You know, it's cool. Nice. Um, so anyway, all that to say that uh, the and the competition is always doubles, which kind of confuses people because mm. anybody who used to play, uh, uh, you know, Pokemon Red or like the you know the early gens, just one v one, one v one. That hasn't been that way for like ten years. So now, ever since they introduced the doubles um, format, it's basically been doubles from uh, from from then on. The big thing this year is that, like with most years, in the first year of a new generation, you're only allowed to compete with Pokemon from that generation. And not only that, they've made sure that there's no way that that can't be done because there's absolutely no way to import Pokemon from any other Pokemon game into these new ones yet. 
it will mm. be with Pokemon Home that comes out in February that you'd be able God, to do that. Use the new so stuff. It's right. got to be pretty much new stuff. And as far as I know, there's no way to, like, gen in Pokemon. I might be wrong. Maybe I'm just a noob. But, um, yeah. So th- that's basically consumed my entire life. And I, I've, <laughs> I've sounds been... That uh, I've been really... Consuming my life right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys have me talking about this right now. But, um, yeah, so that's that's mostly been what I've been playing. All right. Woo! I, I honestly, Dang. it is fascinating to me it's because I know nothing world. about yeah. any of this. And it sounds to me, it's almost like one of these games where it's like, let's say Call of Duty, for example, where a lot of people buy it, but the single player means nothing to them. They just right. just fast forward right to... Oh, yeah. And to answer your original question, I'm like, oh, yeah, you can just switch your Pokemon a lot. Well, there are moves that stop that, right? So there are moves that put in entry hazards. Switch or no switching? No, that put in entry hazards so that every time I switch my Pokemon, they're going to take damage. Okay. Ooh. So now that disincentivizes me from switching my Pokemon... And then there's also, like, you know, uh, moves that will force the opponent to switch. Mm-hmm. So moves like Whirlwind or Roar that will just, like, make the the opponent Pokemon switch. Um, mm-hmm. Which And then there's moves that will boost your stats, you know, 50% or 100%. And those moves can be really clutch if, if you want to get to that damage level. But the moment they get thrown out of play, then they lose those stat changes. So there's a lot of... And then there's status effects, you know, all this stuff. True. Um and then there's cheese ball strategies. And the thing that happens is a little bit like any other game. A metagame forms and people start to go, wow, this combination is really powerful, unbeatable. Everybody starts running it. And then people are like, eh, let me throw in this thing that counters Disrupts that. It, yeah. And then that, and then the metagame changes. So maybe if you take a break for three or four months, the metagame's completely changed. So yeah. kind of keeps things fresh. Pokemon. Pokemon. Joel, what have you been playing recently? Uh, Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> you too? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, I got a chance to play. I'm just going to talk about Captain Sonar uh, in the turn-based aspect because I always thought. Um, for those of you who don't know, Captain Sonar it is a game that runs up to eight players, and it's really it's designed for that eight-player count because it is a take-on battleship where there are four unique roles on both each team. So it's a team game, four on four. Uh, and then obviously you can scale down to three on three or two and two. But if you scale down to lower player counts, you're supposed to then take away the the reason why it won innovative game of the year, I don't know, 2015 or something like that. Um, in that Cat and Sonar is the only game, the only board game that makes live action viable. Maybe some, there's some dexterity Space games alert. out there that'll, yeah. There are a couple, not many of them. Um, and that's why I won an Invigative of the Year was because it was live action battleship four on four. And it's, we've always, I mean, if you haven't played it yet, what's wrong with you? Just get, <laughs> go out there and get it done. <laughs> it is so much, I mean, maybe you don't have seven friends. I don't know. <laughs> in which case, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> maybe shower once in a while. <laughs> this isn't a smash tournament. Come on, man. <laughs> you can't make me. <laughs> Anyway, um, I, I got in a situation. So um, Sunday evening, Hassan had us over, and he was. <laughs> you had a, <laughs> you've such a crazy weekend of gaming. It's it's remarkable when I hear you tell stories about. It, it's like, so then I went over to Hassan's on Sundays. <laughs> you were just playing games for like ten hours on Saturday. It's crazy. Yeah, oh, and and like what? Five hours of D and D. Five and a half hours <laughs> we played D and D. Yeah. God. And that was the thing. It was that they were like, yeah, we're gonna have people over to eat pizza and uh, and play games. And I was like, oh, some yeah, of that. I- Sounds good. I'd probably get there around four. <laughs> oh my god! 
yeah anyway i mean there were other people showing up at six so i didn't feel too bad but mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean yeah, it was a busy weekend <laughs> so and, I, was, and I had i was home for about five minutes i gave sam a kiss and walked back out the door <laughs> i don't i don't know how you're alive to be honest for a variety of reasons but. <laughs> well you, you know you only have so much weekend you gotta make the most of it jack <laughs> <laughs> I spend the rest of my week sitting at work thinking about the weekend. <laughs> That's a dream, eh? Yeah. This is getting depressing. Let's go back to uh, Captain Sonar. It's yeah, because he wasn't jonesing to get back to Pokemon. That's why. Yeah, that's it. Right. Thinking about combos. Yeah, well, I can't get on my computer, right? So I can't just <laughs> sit at home and play games. I gotta go out, go out. Yeah, like, they go out and make people play with me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Captain Sonar six player was pretty cool. I didn't hate it. I've got to say that I always thought the turn-based Captain Sonar was kind of boring and cheating, but I had never actually played it before. Mm-hmm. And it is, it, it, it's a totally different game. Of course. But it instead of everybody yelling and going and going and going and the radio operator having a terrible time because, you know, it's like south-south, east-south? No, oh, let's right, go not, south. Not south. Yes. And then which one of those was a really a move? And yeah. did you missed two moves in that sentence. And yep. instead it's like the, cap, the, the radio operator is fine. Yeah, easy. They know exactly where people are. And it was funny because we had, we had seven players, so Hus was nice enough to just administrate. And in the very first move, uh, the other team said go west and then he wrote down moving east on his map and instead of it ruining the whole game because it was you know they weren't where they said they would be or whatever Huss was able to notice it immediately and fix it for us oh. and so it was almost like having a referee <laughs> and it was like it was great how many people were new uh i think three okay so so what was the role that you ditched uh, we name. didn't ditch anybody. We, well, yeah. So the captain, which was me, uh, also plays first mate. Got which, it. I mean, first mate is like a nominal position anyway. You check When you're playing the when game correctly, you should be the first mate is very important. Exactly. Yeah. I think the first mate's role, and I think you agree, is the first mate's role is the go-between yeah. between the engineer and the captain. Of course. First mate should be telling you which systems are alive, which ones are dead. Exactly. I've you checked with the radio operator. right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah, yeah, I think I think that might be here and exactly right. It's, it's a communication role. So yeah. as far as actually what you do on the board, it's pretty simple. It's like, oh, you moved, check a thing. Uh, anyway, we got in a situation where we we thought they were one of two places, and if we blew up a mine, we would either miss them completely and know where they were in the other place, or we thought we would do an indirect hit. Mm-hmm. So we blew up the mine, and it turned out we were wrong in both cases because it was a direct hit. Oh. <laughs> so we had direct a dr- hit with a mine. We had an exact pin on them wow. off of a gas, and from there we just moved three and dropped and threw a torpedo at them. But it was a lot of fun. And did you set a timer for how long your turns could take, or did you just no? And that was funny for the other team because they spent probably like three minutes arguing Oof. over what to do. No. Oh, timer. I could not. Do Thirty it. seconds. I could not do it. And that's what I was going to say is the big difference is that instead of frantic uh, back and forth and yelling stop and and that tension when something happens, um, instead it's the teams really debate what to do, mm-hmm. and so. It, it's kind of not as not as exciting, but it's still strategically interesting. Not as thematically accurate either, you know? I mean, if, yeah. if you're in the middle of naval warfare, you don't really want to have a some sort of 
ruling by committee for. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's also do, yeah. yeah. I, I think know. you just need to do, and this will tie in nicely, I think, to uh, the feature chat of you need to control time spent doing stuff that grinds a game to a halt. Yeah. And um, Sonar is so interesting in the sense that, it, unlike other games where real time games where if you're you're moving quickly, mistakes that are made are your fault and just like cascades and it's like, oh, whoops, well, that was it, that's the game's over. A mistake in Sonar is kind of perpetually game-ending for everyone in the sense of, well, what, what did he say? I thought he went over that way. Or I was listening to the, the engineer a little while ago when I tried to fire those torpedoes and it's just like, it's a mistake that throws a wrench into the game in a negative way versus something that's more like, yeah. oh, I didn't have time to think properly so I just put this piece down or I just made this action incorrectly. And, but it's a, it was strategically incorrect, not mechanically incorrect, which is what I, I guess the def- definition or the difference I'm trying to make. When you yeah. screw up in Sonar, it screws and, up their game too, and it and slows sometimes everything. It's procedurally incorrect too, yeah. because let's say for example, captain says go east, engineer says you can't do that, you'll break us. Yeah, and then they take it back. That's what I mean. But the the radio operator on the other side doesn't get that. Yeah, so. I'm glad that you had a good time with it, and I, I've always been intrigued by it. But it, yeah. I think what you're describing turns it, it turns into a completely different game, but it's still an entertaining game. Oh, and by the way, instead of having to uh, sketch when you surface, yeah, you just uh, your opponent gets three turns. Oh, now that that is a hard decision right there. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to the dumb sketching mini game, which I enjoy. But how about you, Jack? What have you been playing? Um, I've got one new game to talk about. Uh, we found some time on Sunday. And uh, we learned Tiny Towns. Oh, finally. Which is, is a game that's been sitting on the in the pile for a while. Pile for a while. <laughs> and it's been recommended by a bunch of people. And um, the general gist of it is, is that you are the mayor of a small town of woodland creatures hidden in the woods away from predators. And you are building this town up into, uh, I don't know, whatever, just a tiny little place. You do this by what happens is you draw a bunch of cards, one from each type of deck, and you put them up in front of you, and they all have a little pattern, uh, kind of like Tetris shapes or different types, and they have colors on them corresponding to different building materials. And you have a pile of the buildings that correspond to each of the cards, and each of these cards represent a building like a cottage or a bakery or a chapel, and there's a bunch of randomization, so every game could be pretty different based on what's coming up, but there's only going to be one type of each card or one type of the building. Uh, so each turn one person is the master builder and there's this cute little wooden hammer and they call out one of the materials or one of the colors of cubes so I'll say glass and I grab one of the blue cubes and I have to put it on my player board which is a 4x4 grid everyone has to take glass and put it on their board in a 4x4 in one of those places everyone gets one piece Mm. and what you're trying to do is you're trying to put these cubes down in a way that matches one of the uh, symbols or one of the Tetris shapes on one of the cards somewhere and when you've got the right combination or, of colors and in the right shape you're allowed to at the end of placement go I'm building the factory and you remove all those cubes and you put a factory uh, meeple somewhere on that board where your cubes were and you keep going until you can't put anything else down or whatever you can voluntarily resign but I don't know why anyone would do that and when you're done, you clear off any resources that are on your board that you couldn't build on. And every empty space counts against your overall oh. score. Hmm. Kind of Rosenberg-esque, yeah. And you just add up all your points. comes a little score pad. It is adorable. It scales to six players. 
you can play it by yourself because to be honest it's borderline multiplayer solitaire but we play three games back to back which says a lot mm-hmm. it plays quickly it's cute and it takes two seconds to figure out it is a board game roll and write at the end of the yeah. day because everyone is working off of the same framework and every you know how when you like you draw a card and it's like okay everyone has to draw this shape on it or everyone has to do this little thing it's exactly like that except board game form and I think it, it would come with me if I'm ever going to take a light game just that's like fun. Your go-to travel game. A go-to travel game for family and friends and just quick little warm-up game. You're not going to throw Splendor into a little white box? Splendor, I, sh- I, c- I should <laughs> reduce down to something like the size of a... a, a we did that and it was searched at every single airport. Yeah. It was like they just hated it. Yeah, of course. It's because it's bizarre looking. Looks, and looks suspect. I wouldn't put it in a white box. I had ours in a plastic, like a clear plastic baggie. And oh, it's just yeah. obviously cards and some poker chips and maybe stupid with a look at but nobody's like taking a knife and cutting open your poker chips looking for the cocaine i was smuggling in so <laughs> anyway tiny towns um highly recommend it uh like i'm saying we played it three times in a row third time for the master of the universe as always when you go she wins i win and oh, yeah. whoever can be the breaker it is cute and i think with some expansions with more cards and stuff too i think it could really be just something that keeps going but as it is highly recommend it Speaking of Rosenberg and the Rolling Right, you played. Uh, and we the played, Rosenberg and then again, right, eh? yeah. So Kayla, we picked it up on a whim at J and J's. So it's called Second Chance, and it's patchwork uh, Rolling Right. Basically, you have two cards. You flip them over. They've got a tetrisy shape on there. You pick one of them. You draw it on a piece of paper. Keep going. If you can't draw one of them, you go Second Chance, and you flip over another card randomly. Can I do it? No. Oh, I'm out. You can. Good. You're back in the game and you get to repeat it again. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of like getting knocked down in some video game and somebody's like Gears of War. It's like, get up, friend, yeah, or something, yeah. and you're all right. Shadows die twice. Shadows die twice, sure. So it's, again. Or shout out to all the kids, you know, if one of your pals gets you back up in Fortnite or something. <laughs> do you play Fortnite? <laughs> no, I don't. See, I don't <laughs> you could have said anything, I believe you. Call of Duty, I think. Yeah. So, Stim. It's adorable. Uh, so, Tiny Towns, I guess two rolling rides. That's all I'm playing recently. Tiny Towns great. Second Chance is fine. If you have $15 burning a hole in your pocket, you love patchwork, and you want to expand it to possibly an infinite amount of people, because yeah. it really doesn't make a difference. It's Encourage multiplayer Rosenberg to make more of that game. <laughs> the, uh, I think the next Feast expansion comes out in a bit called The Danes. There's the mini expansion, mm. Harvest, <laughs> that was released at... Uh, uh, Essen, but uh, no, that was like one of these promo things. But mm. anyway, so that's that. We're going to take a musical break. We'll be back to discuss civilization and we'll see how different <laughs> some people's games were for other than others. Compare Stay and contrast. Compare and contrast. <laughs>
began to fight I heated up But I grabbed my gun Ooh, I get so cold on those nights down Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Long Time Man by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds from the, I think it's 87, 85? Your Funeral, My F- Trial, my favorite album. Uh, we were just talking about D&D, 
during the musical break, and, and Joel's running the same campaign we did before, but with a different group of people. And I'm just I want to move on to uh, the Civ chat, but quickly, have you noticed any significant differences between how players are approaching things, or do you find it's pretty similar? The game is like completely different. Uh, I haven't been able to run it nearly in the same way. Uh, and it's it's exciting that way. It's kind of like it's fun to see people are like there's basically I don't know like in in a, in a game in a video game there's logic gates right and we were yeah. talking about how those guys managed to do a 12, 12 minute run of Outer Worlds by gaming all the logic gates. This game this game is very much the same. It's like, well, I didn't I didn't think you could do it that way, but yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and then. There's also the fact that Joel has been a very intrepid DM to allow a deck of many things uh, to be introduced into the mix. Yeah. And we have a daily ritual of essentially everybody gets to draw one card in the session. So we've just been burning through those cards. Uh, first session, one of the characters already had his soul banished. Um, Dead. Yep. Gone. Uh, gone in the first session. Uh, my character inherited a castle right in the first session, but we still have a quest That's to do to get that castle. That's kind of a feast for famine. Yeah. Uh, someone got a wish. Oh, what'd yeah, they wish uh, for? Level 9 spell. Hasn't used been used it yet. One, uh, the, the fighter, the same guy Wait, who we were talking about earlier. Uh, it's a level was... 9 spell, and you can wish for anything. It's considered the most powerful spell in the game of D&D. You can use it for any 1 to 8 level spell, or you can use it for specific things, or you can just shoot for the moon and try for something crazy, but it's kind of a monkey's paw thing in that situation where you might get something. Okay. And then uh, our unlucky fighter um, has gotten cursed twice. So first he has a demon that will follow him to the ends oh, yeah, of the I earth to ruin Jack his life. This. He helped me find the perfect devil for him. Oh, right. Good. And then the uh, and then the last session he got cursed again and now has a permanent <laughs> minus two malice to all of his uh, um, ability checks. checks. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty serious. It is very serious. Um, and uh, I think uh, Patrick got like a plus two to any yeah. stat. Patrick can up. go over 20 but not more than 24 yeah, and then and then and then he drew a card at the end avatar of death which <laughs> sounds oh awesome. yeah we still skull. have to resolve that he has to, to fight, fight myself. uh an a, a basically a, a demon or a, an avatar of death which has a scythe which doesn't roll to hit it just hits and then it's got ac20 so basically he's just rolling to hit he has twice as much health but He's not allowed to use any special abilities or magic or anything. <laughs> Good luck, sir. <laughs> no, I'm allowed to use abilities, but not magical weapons, I think. He's yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway. All right. Good. All right, moving on. Yeah. It was a weekend of Griffcon Shadow, which is the, um, I don't know, brother, sister con to regular Griffcon, um, which is much smaller in event, but it is free and it is held, uh, basically, is it six months? Uh, yeah. So exactly the other end of the uh, the calendar from normal Griffcon. And we did this time, uh, got two games of Civ going. It was originally supposed to be two games of Western Empires, but unfortunately 999 Games did a bit of a mishiparoonie and only sent Joel one copy of the game. Um, and we, they've resent it. We still haven't heard anything yet, hmm, which is interesting. Customs I, with Mississauga. Customs Mississauga? 
Oh man, like they really days. gotta make sure. I would call no someone, foreign but, uh, board games. Are yeah, right. To flood our Canadian well, market of did they fill it up with MDMA or something? Of advanced civilization. Yeah, that's you know, maybe a that's a very it. important issue. This 2K games is sitting there just tearing it apart. <laughs> um, but anyway, we've got two games going: one with Mega Civ and one of Western Empires. And for the Mega Civ game, which is virtually identical to Western Empires, we had the expansion, or I don't know if expansion is the right word. I'm going to use the word module from now on, of the monuments. Buildings module. Buildings and monuments, whatever. And Stefan was playing on the other side of the room, or other side of the table. Uh, He was doing the uh, Western Empires, and Joel and I were doing uh, Mega Civ. The veterans game. And we had nine players in both games, which is remarkable. Which, looking back on it, it's like, oh, we could have done an 18 player game. Par with an 18 player game count. I mean, not at the end. Not at the end. So, that's another story. uh, Let's get things going. And, Stefan, how was your game? Well, there's a couple things I want to go over about Western Empires. First of all, I loved it, it was awesome. Uh, quality of life improvements on that game uh, were great. Yeah, what's um, different? Yeah. So it seems innocuous, but uh, there's a few little things. First of all, the player mat uh, now comes with uh, your city count. Uh, so you have nine circles mm. to place your cities. Yeah. And as you place your cities, the number of cities you have on the board is revealed. Not that it's hard to count the number of cities you have it's out there, but though. it's an easy thing to just, just look down at the number yeah. of um, things you have. Uh, then there is the uh, fact that everybody has a full deck of techs in front of them. Hold so on, that was so that was, was roll. done by roll, but yeah, yeah. Oh, really? And I, I've considered doing that. But it's an option. But it's it's I don't know. Uh, is it an option in Mega Civ though? Because I don't think Mega Civ actually has the a erotic co- kit. Adds the rest. Ah, okay. And Jack has that. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But if yeah, anyway. Sorry, anyway, please, go so on. so unless so if you don't have the eradicate for Megasiv, that's an upgrade. Uh, I would highly recommend everybody do this, um, unless you're and especially even with us playing with a bunch of advanced players, um, I I don't know how many people actually have managed to get enough people to sit down and play Megasiv long enough to know all the text off the top of their heads, and generally speaking, you kind of follow one track. So I suppose um, Ti Four does that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, everyone has their own deck of text. Right, and it's pretty helpful to be able to look through and plan ahead. So I was going to say, I guess that's the big bonus because obviously you would save some time just having the cards in front of you to do. But also for you to be able to sit there with a little bit of downtime, kind of flip through and think, "Well, gee, that'd be nice to get down here." Yes, then I can do this. Then I can do that. Oh boy, that's exciting! And you can start to plan. Like I had a couple of different plans in my head as I was going through the game, and I ended up throwing them out as I was going, but. I had a couple of texts that I was planning on getting and all that. So that's another uh, thing that was different from the last times I've played, um, was having my own deck of texts to uh, rifle through. The census fit the board? The census fit the board. Um, (laughs) There's also the... um, Oh, yeah, like the ships also. Your ship tokens have a spot on your player mat that's nice and orderly. I mean, it's not a huge improvement, but it's nice. All right, talk, um, talk to us about the game, though. How did so the, the game go? The game uh, was interesting. It was a veteran's table, but obviously some players were more veteran than others. Um, was there only one guy who hadn't played before? Yes. Uh, yeah. Wow, that um, really was a veteran's table. It was a veteran's table. I did that on purpose. Uh, oh. The one guy who had not played before predictably did not do very well um were people helping him uh yes 
Yes, I gave him. I thought I gave him some good advice. And uh, but, but obviously, when a, a rival player is giving you advice, you kind of take that with a grain of salt. But it wasn't. It wasn't malicious, was it? Because there was like, there, and for example, there were times like with Cal. Uh, the Celts next to me, there were a couple of moments where there was some spots that were kind of open. I was like, ah, I can yeah. swoop in here. It's like, screw it. He's fine. Like, I'm doing fine here. Right. There were co- yeah, there were a lot of situations where he'd leave one person on a thing. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, I could take that. And it cost me nothing. Yeah. But then what's... Yeah. yeah. So I went into that game wanting to try something different. Um, I've never been a confrontational Civ player. Uh, in my experience, it always leaves you behind. Yes. Uh, you know, you can take down someone Still else true. with you, but it's yeah. not going to bring you up anywhere. Uh, so, but I decided, you know what? I'm at a table full of veterans with some very, very good players who've won games before. I am not going in expecting to be a contender for the win. Oh, uh, so, come on. So, no, no, but that, that was literally my attitude going All in. Right. But I'm like, hey, but I'm the Celts. All right. So I am going to go full uh you know uh, role play and i am going to go full red in my tech buys uh-huh. and i'm gonna burn a swath across <laughs> europe and just be a barbarian but the problem is is that this the Celts really need agriculture early on yeah and the game i think this is i don't know if it's a flaw or if it's just something that you have to accept about the game is that whatever your first moderately high-level tech that you're aiming for, whether it's agriculture, whether it's, um, I don't know, astral navigation or things like that, that will determine really the rest of your path for the rest of the game because you are heavily incentivized to keep dipping into the same discount. It's so hard yeah. to ignore it's the discounts. It's very hard to ignore those discounts because by the time I had gotten agriculture, I had racked up cloth making, pottery, metalworking to get a good discount. So by the time I bought agriculture, I've got a 70 discount on orange yeah. versus anything else. That's uh, like a nearly full set of one or two goods or one or two level goods. So yeah, of course I'm going to keep buying orange, right? So I went in wanting to buy red. I ended up going full orange. The irony is I went, well, not irony, but the funny thing is I went and got trade empire as one of my early techs. I got very lucky in a round of trading Two different players, so I I kept buying nine level goods for treasury management, which is another thing I've I've noticed now having played a few times in the mid game. Treasury management is massive because people will accumulate a massive amount of treasury. They have no idea what to do with it, and then they realize, oh, I can't pop expand because yeah. all of my tokens are in treasury. Mm-hmm. So just by just by cities, man, or uh, wonders, you can't do it in your game. Exactly. <laughs> so that was what I found funny is that one of the things that gave me a massive advantage in my game was that I managed to trade in a full set of gold early in the game because I'd bought full two gold, gold two gold luckily I'd gotten from just buying them for treasury management and then <clears> later <throat> on different players didn't know I was holding gold and I because I wasn't actively trading it we just kind of threw it in to sweeten the deal on a deal that was very good yeah. for them See, this was one of my mistakes was I told people exactly what I had and if I hadn't told you I have four of this and I need those two that you have yeah. then you probably would have might have traded with I've me. also like, lied I if I'm yeah. looking for this problem is that then also it's like hmm if I don't I don't know what you have so maybe someone else over there has and then I run away yeah, too true. I also did lie a few times about what I had in my hand so you know Ooh. when you have two players who want the same thing they go well how many do you have you know, you go, well, I've got three. So, you know, you might as well trade <laughs> them, even well. though I've only got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, or, or the other way around, where it's like, you really want this card because it's going to be your fifth in a set. 
well, I've only got two, so I don't know. Maybe mm, can I see if I can interest you in something else? You know, yeah. so you kind of play that game. And I have to say, this was my best game for trading, and I that's what got me the win. Honestly, it was was my. That trading. is how you win. Yeah. Somebody um, said you and Harry got the same score. Harry and I got the same score, but I won with the tiebreaker of having the most uh, six costs or a six victory point. Oh, text. That's the tiebreaker. That is the first like tiebreaker. There's the multiple. Or something. We had the then same number of cities. Mm. So we had the same number of cities. We had, or no, no, I think the cities is later, but we had exactly the same score. We were the same on the AST track. Uh, we so yeah. So to answer your question, basically the game had three of us: Rule, Harry, and I, always in the lead. Rule was always slightly ahead of everyone on the AST track, or on the city, the number of cities track, mm -hmm. and then eventually it kind of evened out, but we knew it was going to be one of the three of us who were going to win, and everybody else was kind of falling behind. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's too bad. It was too bad, because I would say, feedback to my neighbors, they should have pressured me more. They, they allowed me there a lot to get way too game? big. Almost none. I mean, there was, oh, sorry, not for <laughs> me, but there was, there was tons of combat between uh, Iberia and Carthage. Because Carthage was the new player, yeah, and he decided, well, Iberia kind of encroached on his territory a bit, and so he decided, well, I'm going to retaliate. I'm not going to let you get away with this. But he kind of realized at the end of the game, why well, I really shouldn't have done that. Well, I kept really popping over there when when I had some downtime. I was looking. Just Chris <laughs> and what's his name? Matt. Chris and Matt were just fighting, yeah. throwing soldiers away pointlessly. Mm, yeah. And I was like, hopefully you guys can resolve it. Come back later. And it's like, uh, have you guys resolved it? No, we have not resolved it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Chris is going. a vindictive. Well, Chris, I, I, it was all Matt. Like, Chris, That's what Chris, it looked like Chris to me, to be honest. Chris kept being like, well, I, you know, I, I, I want to move on. But, and I think Matt kind of thought, well, now I'm, I'm kind of low. It's very easy when you're playing that game the first time to look at it like risk. And you're like, I need more territory. And look at it as a board management game. But it's not a board managed game. Yep. It's a trading game. Yep. So anyway. All right. We know we've, it's a bit of both. We've got about three minutes left, Joel. Talk about our game. Oh, no. Our game was a lot of new players. And one not new player, but he was new to this version. But yep. whatever. Um, it was a weird game. Uh, we did two basic changes to the way we usually manage the game, which completely changed the game. Which we what was the second one? We definitely oh, didn't. No, expect. never mind. Monuments. We had, well, we added monuments. We followed the like. There's a general. This is how you should set up the trade goods, and then in each section has another thing, which is, if you're playing nine players, shuffle in the two normal trade goods, and then shuffle the, the calamity into the last set. And we did that, and it ended up too much feast. Yeah. Led to, like, insane wars, and the wars never ended once we started having the Calamities. So then we were dealing with Calamities plus war, and everybody, I don't know how many times, this guy's waiting for this guy to go, and then this guy's waiting painful. for the next guy to go. Oh, and yeah. nobody would go before their neighbors because everybody was in a constant state of struggle. You couldn't yeah. afford to n make your move before That was a else. big difference between your game and our game because we had Slowed so little conflict right that down. we, by the time we ended, by the time we quit, what was it, like three or four hours before you yeah. guys? We were Jesus. already on our ninth or tenth round. You guys flew, flew through, through the you game. Guys, you guys would have finished. Everybody easily. was moving simultaneously. Oh, yeah, we would have finished. Whereas easily. us, it was 9.30 and we were getting tired and we had already lost a player and we weren't even in the last round. So we were Probably would have been two or three more rounds, it. I think. Just too bad. Yeah. Neither of the games got to finish, which was super disappointing. Um, 
we taught the game to some new people, which yep. is nice, but I don't know if they had the best impression on it from what they read, from what I read uh, from Michael today. It doesn't sound like he had a really good time. He's, he said, I, I don't know why we wouldn't just play Mari Nostrum. Yeah, I sort of get that. But at the same time, I think nine players with newbies, I'll never do again. No. And that's my, I think mm. f- it's taken us a couple times, kick at, the can, kick at the can to figure this out. But it's just, if you want a quick game, nine players with newbies, not going to work. Unless maybe one new person, maybe two. Veterans and you can all everyone can help themselves around there. I'd say six is probably the sweet spot, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. And I just hate how it looks. I would, l- yeah. I, I think I'm gonna run some six-player games now. I've I've never had a bad time at six-player. Yeah. And then finally, the last thing that we did differently was we set our trading at four minutes, whereas you guys had your trading at eight minutes, which is the longest I've ever seen anyone set a trading limit for. We. And I- almost never got to the timer yeah but yeah. You, the bottom line is that you were never like everyone was happy or yes. content yes. with their trades everybody was always done trading by that and point. i can yeah. say for myself that a couple situations where i got up late or something and like everybody else was already trading i walked around i maybe talked to two people briefly and then the timer went off and i didn't get a single trade in for like two or three rounds it was we, we were maybe a little aggressive on that but every time in the past that we've like it's trading just slows the game down when yeah. in reality it's one of the few things that actually has a hard time limit on it so right. it's like you're forcing everyone to behave in a certain way yeah versus... and you don't notice that time crunch if moving isn't taking up all your time well yeah. that's it but how I'd say 80% of our game was sat there staring at the board, waiting for a oh mess in the Mediterranean. And it didn't help that the new people didn't know where they were going to go. Yeah. Right. But in general, I think everyone did really well, considering the amount of newbies in there, considering the amount of conflict, considering Patrick buying monotheism with his, one of his first buys, which I thought, as soon as I saw that, I thought, here we go. Yeah. This is what it's going to be like. The funny thing is, I could have, I had the thought of buying monotheism at the exact same point in the game, and yeah. I thought, no, I don't want to antagonize everyone on the board. And considering why, doing all those crazy things. <laughs> yeah, it was, there's a lot of nonsense going on. But anyway, we'll, maybe we'll get some more on this uh, next show. But thank you for listening. Android Dungeon CFRU. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. I'm Stefan. Thanks for listening. Check us out on all your favorite services. Keep listening to CFRU. Have a good day.